fear is probably a scarcity mindset's best friend. And I think the biggest lie that's ever been told is that life is not going to include pain and suffering. For some reason, we feel that pain and suffering is not supposed to happen. No, it is going to happen a lot. That was Corey Shear and Bronson Co. on Guild Stories. Welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I am Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we will explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Hey, welcome back to Guild Stories. We've got round two of The Orchard with uh, Bronson Co. and Corey Shear and uh, and yours truly. Um, grateful to have you two again, and, and we'll see where this thing goes. So welcome back, fellas. Thanks. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah, uh, the first one was fun, and I realized afterwards that we were still in conversation about the name. <laughs> and then we posted about the name, um, calling it The Orchard, and never said The Orchard in the conversation. So I thought it'd be fun maybe to just quickly set the stage and, and tell folks how we how we got there. So, Corey, I think it was maybe the February um, full disclosure, Corey's on our board of advisors. Full disclosure, we work with Bronson um, as a client, serving his business. Um, but we were in our board meeting in this very room, and I've invited Rachel Burnett, our VP of Creative, um, Colin Potter, who's our VP of Business Operations, and Devin Simmons, who's our Director of Digital Marketing. They come to the board meeting virtually um, and present whatever, 10, five, 10 minutes about their, their, their piece of the, the story that we're, we're unfolding together. And Rachel used a comment several times that I, I just had picked up and she'd also been visiting about this in, in our conversations, but had said, Hey, we've planted the seed with video a year ago. We planted the seed with, um, motion graphics. We've planted these seeds. And she kept talking about these planting of seeds. And it was about the time when we started this, um, conversation about this new format on the podcast. And, we, be, yeah, Corey, I think it was your, I think you slid over, if I remember it, you slid over a piece of paper that, that had written seed, arrow, orchard. Um, and, I, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. I love, I love that. And, and we were, we were in conversation about some other pieces too, as it relates to, you know, potentially growing the business or whatever else. So I'd, I'd love to have you set the stage for what you meant by seed, arrow, orchard. Yeah. I was just struck by the number of times that Rachel was using that word and, and I could also envision knowing who she is and Colin and uh, Guild content from what I've seen over the last several years, how those seeds that were initially planted now have started to grow into not just one tree or one plant, but an orchard of, of different things. And an orchard has to start with one seed. And it takes a long, long time. And orchards change. They become their own organism, and they are generative. So the whole notion of what are we what are we doing right now? What are the seeds that are planting? And, of course, as a pastor, there's, uh, there's an entire parable that Jesus uses about the, the four soils and, and what are the soils that we're planting our seeds in. And so that really resonated with me. And just thinking more in terms of a business, from a business standpoint, 
what are the, in a relational standpoint, what are the seeds that we are planting so that one day an orchard might be realized and enjoyed and benefited from, even if we're not actually a part of that orchard anymore? Man, it's gorgeous. It's a wonderful, wonderful um, metaphor, analogy, story, parable, fable. I always get those. I'm yeah, like, yeah, all, all of them. Sure. sure. Uh, when people say metaphor, I'm like, is it a metaphor or is it an analogy? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, but that's that's wonderfully said. And, and the reason we ripped that name into this conversation is 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 in part because we are multifaceted. We are. Um, interested in lots of different things. It's not, this isn't a conversation just about leadership. Like we had a big one last week or, or last month or just about copywriting or just about video technique. Right. Um, and so, but collectively those things all matter collectively, the whole of our human experience matters, um, relationship matters. And so in that ecosystem, uh, of an orchard is, is where we thought we would, we would play. <laughs> so, um, cool. So let's, let's jump in. I think today we're, we'll cover a, a few specific things, but, but I'll start by, um, sharing and, and I may butcher the guy's name and I'm sure he won't listen to this anyway, but, but I will, um, give him his credit. But I, I stumbled across an article by Peter Diam, Diamandis, D-I-A-M-A-N-D-I-S. And he was talking about, mindset, which is, uh, I think an interesting place for us to begin. And we've, we've heard, or at least I have, there's been lots of chatter about growth mindset, r- rightfully so growth versus fixed mindset that the mind, the book called mindset, um, is a great one. So rightfully lots of conversation about mindset. He, he makes this comment. That's like, cool growth mindset. What's that mean? And, and how do you give that a little bit more specificity and, and definition? And I just thought it might be some helpful ground to cover. So his, he broke growth mindset or kind of this overarching mindset into four pieces. So the first one he called abundant mindset. The second one he called exponential mindset. The third one he called moonshot mindset, which at first when his list, I was like, that must be the one he doesn't like. But then he had, he explained it and it was really great. And then the fourth one is longevity mindset. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on them. You should go read his article. It's, it's better than what I'll recap it as. But the abundant mindset is, is kind of what, what you think it is. It's thinking, um, expecting the best, anticipating the best. You know, he used this, this analogy of or this story of, hey, if, if, if Bronson and Corey came over for uh, – to share my last two pieces of apple pie. Let's just bake another one <laughs> as opposed to fighting over the last two and who gets left out. So his, his abundant, that, that was his story about abundance is like, let's go create more pies. Let's bake, bake more pies. Exponential mindset is the concept of, Hey, let's not play games that are two plus two plus two plus two equals eight, but let's play games and, and, and do and invest in things that, are two times two times two times two times two times two, right? It's that compounding effect, and 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 um, that's relevant in lots of ways, habits, financially, etc. Uh, I'm talking a lot, but I'm just trying to set the stage for you two to talk. Moonshot is his concept that we should, especially as leaders of things or teams or organizations, be thinking and giving our teams permission to do the impossible or explore the impossible that, that will likely fail. And his point was, um, 
was made by hey, get, give like have a moonshot committee <laughs> where their only job is to to take big swings, think big ideas. That doesn't mean be foolish and take massive risk, but to 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 think about what what got you here probably won't get you to the next thing. So dream and find um, spaces in your calendar to take moonshots, uh, at least to think about them. And then the fourth one was longevity. And his, his longevity mindset was more um, based in um, mental health, um, mental connection, physical health, awareness around um, being around, being a healthy human, a whole healthy human for as long as possible. So um, with that, long-winded intro. <laughs> uh, Bronson, what strikes you and, and, and where should we begin on this mindset journey today? Yeah, I think all of these are the opposite of the scarcity mindset, which is basically always thinking, well, there's a limited supply or even when business, always focusing on the competitor instead of focusing on expanding the market, mm. kind of following the Musk the Elon Musk um, approach where he opened his software code to everyone because he wants to make the market bigger. So I would say that's more of an abundance mindset than a scarcity mindset because the other automakers are doing what? They're keeping everything very proprietary and they're thinking, well, I'm going to uh, try to get, get my share of the current market and the way it is now. But instead, why not we just make it bigger? And I think a lot of business owners, including myself, think like this naturally, where it's just you're so laser focused on competition. But in reality, maybe we work together and start looking at this whole infinite game idea that Simon Sinek kind of coined, where it's instead of trying to just um, beat your competitor why not find a worthy adversary or a worthy competitor who now can help build the market and grow the market? Because it's really like business in general is not some sort of set game because a game like in basketball is going to be um, with set rules, but also a time frame. I love a good basketball game, by the way. I, I know do. you do. I do. I know. I do love basketball. Uh, but once the game's over, the game's over. But in business, when is it over? It's never over. It's basically an infinite game, right? So I think that really goes back to all of the uh, different types of mindsets that you just listed. Where does that uh, – I've, I've been my own work in progress on scarcity to abundance and fluctuating rapidly between the two <laughs> at times. Um, the, I'm curious to, Corey, hear your thoughts on where do those roots of – a scarce, afraid. Where does where does that root system? If we're if we're paralleling the orchard, um, the roots are deep in scarce thinking and scarce mindset in the fearful, afraid, insecure part. So I'm just curious, Corey, where does that begin or trace back to? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't. I'm not sure if if fear is is a root or if fear is the condition of the soil mm. Mm. because I, I think more in terms of what well, I wrote down the word fear as you were talking about these four things. Cause I do think that fear is probably a scarcity mindset's best friend. It's what fuels that scarcity mindset. And so then where, do, where does fear come from? I'm reminded uh, 
today would have been my dad's 79th birthday mm. and he died from COVID two years ago. Um, and I remember him talking with, with me because I, I asked him, I said, you know, as a successful educator and for f- over 40 years and in the military and community leader, and I asked him, I said, Dad, what's the one thing that you would do over? If you could do one thing over, what would it be? And he said, I wish that I would have been as fearless then as I am now. Mm. And he was about 75 at the time, and he just said, I, I wish... 20 years ago, I would have had the same level of courage and, and a lack of fear of specifically what people think about me and be more bold. And my dad was very bold <laughs> with his decisions. I mean, he mm. he would build schools uh, in places that the city wasn't even ready to build, and he would build the school, and then they would they would connect all of the utilities after the fact. So he was not he was not a fearful person, but in his own mind, he knew that if he if he could have gone back 20 years, he would have said. Uh, to others and to himself that he wasn't going to live with any fear. Uh, and as a result of that, I've, I've thought a lot, a lot about that. And of course, I have my own fears. I think that those fears, the soil of those fears, the conditions of the soil of that fear, uh, there's trauma there. There's, uh, there's a lack of understanding, perhaps a lack of reflection, um, a lack of faith, a lack of hope. Maybe there are conditions of the soil that that's uh, a dry season because you're not in a community and there's loneliness. I think all of those, whether it's like, you know, even within the the soil of, of actually how things grow, what are all of the things that, that inhibit growth? You know, lack of moisture, lack of uh, pure soil, maybe uh, the implementation of chemicals into that soil, all of those things, those create the conditions by which seeds can now grow. And so I just wonder if perhaps fear is, is the condition of the soil. And in my own life, I know that uh, it's, it's redemptive to know that the soil conditions can change. Hmm. And, that's, and that's beautiful. Would you say the seed is perfect, but then once it's planted in that soil, now it's starting to become manipulated in different ways? So the soil would be kind of the world but that seed, once it's created, it's perfect, yeah. uh, perfect design. But then once we, we put in that different soil, then things start changing. Just like you said, we've got different factors that are going on with those, that soil. Yeah, I think the, the intent of every seed is pure, right? And what's amazing about seeds is that even <clears throat> in bad soils, seeds grow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So despite ourselves, they're still, even when the condition of the soil is not optimal, still growth and that's what's amazing to me uh, so our imperfect selves there is redemption there uh, and anyway all that to say I the one that that resonates with me I think of those four is probably the moonshot idea and I think as leaders it really is it's incumbent upon us as leaders to intentionally and with discipline create environments where larger ideas can get oxygen to those larger ideas and absolutely welcome failure, knowing that that failure is just an opportunity to learn and to iterate and to move forward. That's a vital role of a leader, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, that, that was well said, all of it, the, the soil and the conditions of the soil. And, and I'm, I'm tracing back to my own journey here, Corey, and you've seen my hopeful evolution as, as I've kind of meandered down this path um, as 
running Guild Content. And I remember a, a moment in the board meeting when Gary was loving but very firm in my um, in, in a challenge to me on a decision around what I was definitely making out of fear. Uh, unsuspecting maybe, or maybe maybe more appropriately said, unwilling to admit <laughs> uh, the, avoid, the, the fear piece. And then you, and I've written about this publicly, but and then you, Corey, um, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, um, last December, you, you asked, and we were, t- we were just reflecting, we were honestly kind of celebrating a good year and the things that had happened, and, and you asked the question, all of the things that you were afraid of over the last four years, what came true? And I was like, okay. I already know the answer, uh, but it was a brilliant question was really not much. And the things that did come true that sucked was like, we dealt with it and we went, th- we got through it. And so the condition of the soil being afraid, being scarce, um, feeling like we might run out, right. Feeling like, oh my gosh, there may not be enough money, enough clients, enough need, enough, whatever, and this thing might all, it's such a, it, it, in, in even in saying it out loud, it's such a selfish, scared, scarce mindset. And, 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 and we, are, we are not creatures that can just flip switches and be like, okay, cool, go be abundant then. <laughs> um, go take moonshots, great, go get them. Because then we walk out into the real world and like stuff starts flying around and we get scared and our parents say something weird and right like it it, it gets it gets hard, and so I, I'd love to maybe explore how how some of these practices get woven into daily fabric, how we start to build awareness around them, how how you guys have have um, walked your own road of at times we're afraid. And, and that's okay. We can acknowledge it and move forward and be, have a strong, secure, abundant, exponential moonshot longevity mindset anyway. Does anything come to mind? How does the victim mindset relate to all of this? Because mm. it seems pretty prevalent mm. in today's mm. culture where it's this idea or this um, mindset really of the external things going on around me is causing me to do thing different things and to feel in a different way. But is that the truth? I mean, is the victim mindset really something that we should be pursuing? In my opinion, no, because it's not productive. When you are always blaming things around you of why you're feeling a certain way, you are literally taking all the control out of your own hands. But when you take responsibility and say, well, you know, I am fearful. I am scared right now. Okay. Well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Like there there are literal things that you can do to increase the chances of that thing that you're scared about from not happening, but sitting and just thinking about it. Cause I'm so guilty of this where I go into these rabbit holes and I, Think, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Like COVID. Yeah. Biggest fearful rabbit hole that has ever happened ever ever Mm. for a business owner. Mm. And you start going through all these different scenarios. But guess Mm. what? You still got to get out of bed and do something about it. Mm. So take that fear. Mm. I honestly think maybe take the fear, 
Turn it into anger. <laughs> That's for me. Because <laughs> then that anger is used as fuel. I'm not going to let this fear defeat me. I'm going to create a list of actionable items that I can do today once I get out of bed that's going to remove that fear because now it's based on logic and it'll decrease the chances of those things that I think that are going to happen. So it's that victim mindset and defeating it and to not get in the habit of always blaming the things around you. When people say, well, you know, I'm just... I'm just mad because this person did this to me. No, you're mad because you chose to be mad. Or I'm sad because this person didn't show up, whatever. Well, no, you chose to be like that. And I, I think it goes right back to that, um, all of them, which is the abundant exponential moonshot. All of that mm. can't happen if you have that victim mindset. Mm. That's so so good, man. We, we have three teenage daughters at once in our home. Um, and they are amazing. And like the people who, who like rail against teenage daughters like um whatever it's fine but we're we're having it's hard and tricky but we're we're, we love this season and but they do get so annoyed with me because i make these those comments bronson about they'll be like i'm so pissed off at x and i'm like hey that's your you're choosing to be like you you don't have to be They, they did do something that hurt your feelings and that's okay for you to acknowledge that but like don't let them have the power over your state and your being and Bronson I love the story you've told told me before even about how you approach the client experience for your own members of you know I I I might get the details wrong I probably will but there was a sub 10 year old kid who was afraid to go out in front of all the parents and the instructors and do the thing whatever the thing was break the board or do whatever do the thing Mm -hmm. and you were like Hey man, totally. You can tell it better than me, um, but but I, that that story I think illustrates exactly what you're just describing. Yeah, and we we go through this all the time in our um, studios, where basically every three months we have a belt assessment, and then we have our our students come up and perform what they've learned over the last thirteen weeks. So you have parents, you have instructors, you have friends that are all watching this individual student, and they have to get up there and break a board or they have to get up there and do some sort of pattern, whatever it may be. There are so many times where that student will break down or especially if they miss the board and then everybody's watching them and you can just see in their eyes that they start getting all anxious and sweaty. And, but we help walk them through, take a deep breath, focus, narrow your focus on that actual target on that board and don't think about anything else. Just hit that board right in that little tiny spot that we just pointed at. Every single time, I mean, 98% of the time, they like smash it right after that. And I mean, even that, even that simple experience is so relatable in life where, again, the whirlwind is such a great word to use of what we're experiencing on a day-to-day basis, whether it be as a father, as a husband, as a business owner that we have to step back and say, what, what do I really need to do right now? What is that one action? What, what do I need to narrow my focus on to make things better right now? And not allowing all these different things to um, kind of confuse us, distract us, especially when you know, you're talking about your father. 
Oh my gosh, that that is so incredible to hear because I've always felt that the path to fulfillment and joy in life is not caring about what people think and really just caring about first what God is what, what does God think? Second, what does your spouse think? Like who else? Kids, family, <laughs> right? Other than that, why do you care about that person on social media who just Put a thumbs down on the video you just shared. <laughs> it sounds like you have a story there. Right. <laughs> what about like Let's the see. comment, right? Yeah. No, it, I used to struggle with this. Same. Oh my goodness. Same. We'll post something and then you got some, there's always some guy. Right. Always some guy, girl that's that's on there going, you know, eh, you're doing this or you're doing this wrong or I, don't, I disagree. And I used to go, I want to like debate them mm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and win. Yes. But then I realized, and throttle them. Right. Why? <laughs> but why? Why does that matter? Why does it matter what they say? And it doesn't. But it literally the, doesn't. That's the victim. That's the right. beginning. That's yeah. the seed of a victim mindset. Right. That comment, that thumbs right. down made me feel yes. anxious or mad or depressed or whatever it may be, which is a complete, it's just not real. <laughs> it's not the truth. You know, the, the word that I wrote down is the word motivation. And I've, I've thought a lot about that word over the last several years. And the question that I have, and I wonder if what you all think about this and certainly what the listeners think, but is it possible for you to motivate someone else? Can I do something to actually motivate? Because you hear that word, it's thrown around, and but can I actually motivate? And the most interesting case study regarding motivation is as a father of four, the same tactic on all four children every time does not work. That's right. <laughs> right. And so right. it completely breaks down this yeah. whole notion that I can motivate someone to do something. Now, here's a, a, a great uh, friend and former colleague of mine, former boss of mine at the YMCA of Greater Kansas City here. He told me one time, I'll never forget it. I was standing in Rockhurst University in the hallway, and we were talking about this whole notion of motivation. And he said, you know, there are, the, the only way that someone is motivated to do something or the only way that you can motivate someone is they have to have a either a spiritual transformation, a life and death experience, or a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> but outside of that, we're all creatures of habit. I mean, we're, we're wired, we're, we're wonderfully made in a certain way. And unless there is a, a transformational experience, our behaviors and our motivation... It won't change. And it's, it's really, really interesting to think about that. So as a leader, what does that look like? Well, if I know that I'm not able to motivate anyone to do anything, knowing that their, their motivation must come from within, what I can do, though, instead of me trying to motivate someone, I may want to focus my attention on how do I inspire them? How do I equip them? How do I challenge them? How am I honest with them? How do I listen to them? How do I explore with them and then create the conditions? And maybe this goes back to the soil, you know, uh, add more nutrients to the soil to where their own internal motivation begins to change because they choose to do so. But that's, uh, that's an interesting way to think about motivation. I think because it takes the pressure off of yourself to say, I've got to go motivate this person to do something. I, I don't think I can do that. I, I really don't think I can motivate anyone to do anything. I can do all of the other things though, but as far as equipping and inspiring and asking and exhorting, but me directly motivating something, I, I just don't think I can do it. I don't know. What, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, for me, 
You said spiritual life and death and frontal lobe. Yeah. <laughs> frontal lobotomy. So now I'm like, which one can I do? <laughs> no. Uh, if you think about life and death, I mean, could you change somebody's, not even change, because you can't do that. Can you maybe start a process of thinking differently? When we think of life and death, like for me, this is where my mind always goes. It's just how I have been wired. I think very macro of, of, I mean, we're here for a blip and then we're out, right? And we, we aren't promised tomorrow. So is that the maybe the life and death thought of this, of, of, you know, you literally could die tomorrow, so why are you sitting on your butt right now and not acting, not, not doing the thing that you want to do, not passionately pursuing what you want? Because this idea that we have this long period of time in, ahead of us is not promised. It is not promised. So maybe that's a life and death kind of mindset. It could be. I mean, think about if you've ever had a phone call from the doctor's office that says that the tests, they look a little different. They're right. not like something, something's different than what we want. Or uh, as that goes further, if you've ever had, if you've ever had a diagnosis, a diagnosis that could be life determining, think of how that changes people's motivations. And so I, I don't know, Justin, what do you think? I mean, is it as a CEO of a successful business, are you actually able to motivate someone to do something? To be clear, it's a loosely functioning disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I, I have ripped that phrase directly from, uh, there's a guy in Columbia, his name's Brent B. Shore. He runs a private equity firm called Permanent Equity, and he is wickedly smart and like equally as generous and helpful. He's an amazing guy. And, and he wrote on, on, and he quite literally like buys businesses and grows them for a living. That's like how they make money. Um, and he, and he go, he has this tweet that says like, Hey, look, every business is a loosely functioning disaster <laughs> and some make money. It was really awesome. So I just, I was thinking of Brent when you said that, um, for, for me, the, the motivation piece, I a hundred percent agree and, and have been learning from you too. When you asked that question, my mind went to, um, I've been on a kind of meditation journey last several years and just, just the, like for my monkey mind to be forced to sit in a chair in silence for five to 20 minutes mm -hmm. feels, feels more like torture than freedom, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but, but it has produced lots of freedom, of course. And, uh, one of the, the, the headspace app, Andy Petticombe or Petticombe, whatever his name is, um, his metaphor is really helpful in this, at least for me. He talks about the mind being a blue sky. And occasionally, the the sky is filled with dark, terrible storms and thunder and clouds and lightning and the whole thing. And, and that could be the fear. That could be that could be bad life circumstances. That could be a million things, right? Um, but the but the blue sky is still there. Mm -hmm. It never went away. Mm -hmm. The the fear and the the turmoil and the stress and the anxiety and the things that were presented in front of the blue cloud mm -hmm. never never disappeared. Um, and and so his his teaching on motivation is it is internal. It is respond. It is present. It is it is available to you. Um, but it, it does require the ability to sit in discomfort, acknowledge reality, and then move anyway. And, and so I, as you were talking about motivation, that 
the word that came into my mind is the responsibility of the leader, I think, is the inspiration part. Mm-hmm. And you said that so well. I think it's the, can, can we inspire? Can we, um, can we provide conditions for the soil to grow well, mm-hmm. uh, for the seeds to grow well, the soil? I don't know what the soil does. Regenerate? <laughs> I don't know what soil does. Um, but, but that, I think, in, in that kind of weird, messy middle is where humans have to, I think, take self-responsibility and Bronson to your point, like take action. And then sometimes my, most times I know this to be true for me. Most times when I go on a run, I don't want to go on a run. (laughs) My feeling is like, but then I move like literally like seven steps. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm outside. Yeah. And have you ever regretted going on a run? You always feel better at the end of whatever the thing is. And so, you know, Rich Roll always talks about mood follows action. Like, move a little bit, like get, get moving, like do something that doesn't have to be just a physical move, but like, Hey, you want to, you want to talk about doing a moonshot or do you want to like take some, some tiny baby step forward into what a moonshot might look like? And so, and you can create the conditions for the moonshot. It can be small budget, short time frame, constrained. Yep. It's still a moonshot. I mean, yep. it may be just a little bit of one, but you can create the conditions to where you do minimize some of the risk. I wonder going back to the victim mindset and I'll speak for myself because there are absolutely times when I do have that. When I Same. am, when I have a victim mindset, because if I only talk about other people having a victim mindset, <laughs> that means that I'm being the victim. <laughs> so I'll speak for myself. It's funny how that works. Yeah. When I have a victim mindset, I wonder if that is because I'm actually waiting for somebody else to motivate me mm. as opposed to taking ownership of the fact that I. I have to actually motivate myself to do something. That's right. So it's like an abdication of responsibility. Right. When but, you look, yeah, yeah. So I, it, the, the motivation, that question, and then, then of course going deeper into that at more of the spiritual level is that what is it that is motivating you internally? Mm-hmm. And of course that's, that's the journey that all of us are on as it relates to our own faith and our spirituality or for some lack of faith or, or spirituality uh, but for me, uh, I certainly know where that motivation comes from in my own faith journey. And for everyone else, they have to uh, they have to explore that themselves. I've got a good friend who he's he's he says some version of this often, and it's just really helpful. He said, "Man, the noise and the cat, like all the stuff." He's like, "Really, when I'm and and it actually ties into the orchard analogy metaphor." parable fable (laughs) very well um he's like when i have a rooted and grounded identity the rest of this stuff kind of just doesn't matter right like and you think about an orchard like it does withstand storm it withstands wind it withstands rain it withstands lots of different um exterior and outside and pressures or environment conditions and it still grows anyway it grows healthier anyway so his his reminder of man it is it's secure and deep and grounded identity um and where you find that identity is 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 everyone's own journey of course but in that root system is where the thing gets really strong um i want to just say say this piece and then we we got to move move to the next segment here the our team has done a lot of work on core values and and define not just kind of like putting them on a poster or whatever but like defining what those mean and and I attribute it to like sitting in Bronson's office and Corey you've been helpful in core values too but I'm sitting in 
Bronson's office, we're doing like our discovery work. <laughs> like we're getting paid to learn about his business and learn his voice, learn how his how his enterprise thinks. And he's roll, rattling through his core values. And I'm sitting in there with, with like four of our team members. I'm like, we don't really have ours to find. we didn't either yeah no yeah we did not either note to self please develop core values right but but one that emerged from that from that meeting and it took us several weeks to kind of get there but uh one value we hold true and deep and core to our our operating system is bravery and and brave and i think it ties into this conversation well we define uh, we we meaning Webster define and Google defined brave as to face or endure with courage. Okay, pretty straightforward. But then we sub we kind of gave each mass you know main core value these three sub descriptors, and so we put daring <coughs> excuse me daring venture venturesomely bold in action or thought integrity. I think this is the piece that we we've kind of hit on a lot today firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values and then curious having a desire to learn or know more about someone or something and so this bravery it ties right back into the mindset piece of man victim victim mindset scarce mindset isn't brave it's actually incredibly cowardly no it's incredibly cowardly and i've been there more times than you guys would ever want to admit or want to know but bravery is the beginning kind of footsteps into a, a deeper, healthier, more abundant mindset. So anyway, I thought I just thought I'd share that. Yeah, I want to just add one more thing with that victim mindset idea. And especially nowadays, I think people take this in a very emotional way where it's like, hey, you're being a victim. And then what do you like, what are you gonna say to that? You're gonna get defensive. No, I'm not. Like, no. But it really it comes down to pulling the motion away from this and thinking logically with this is not a productive way of thinking. We want forward motion in our life. We want things. Well, if you want to achieve things and your goals and dreams, you cannot have a victim mindset because you've taken all the control out of your own hands. And the only way you're going to get what you need is by taking that control back and acting. So I think it's important that people remove that emotion because they get defensive, especially like, I think I really feel nowadays they do where it's like, you're being a mind, you're being a victim. And they're like, no, I'm not, no, 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 <laughs> no, because of this person, but I'm just trying to help you literally achieve your yeah. dreams. Yeah. And I yeah. think that second step to this immediate step is you've got to practice not being a victim, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. And I always preach cold showers. <laughs> I've said my, <laughs> if my staff, <laughs> my team's been listening to any of this, like rolling their eyes right now because I'm always preaching it. But the reason why I talk about this so much. That sounds so good in theory. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. But the reason why I talk about this so much because. It motivates me to have a quick shower. <laughs> <laughs> too. Oh, boy. Yeah. You save money on your water Terrible, bill. Terrible, man. But uh, you start the day off. If you do this first thing in the morning, you start the day off by doing something that sucks. And when you start practicing that. When other things that come about throughout your day that are not enjoyable, that are boring or whatever, you're like, I already did that cold shower. What? Bring it on. Give me something else. And I think the biggest lie that's ever been told is that life is not going to include pain and suffering. For some reason, we feel that pain and suffering 
is not supposed to happen. No, it is going to happen a lot. But then when it happens, for some reason, we are so surprised from it. And we're so shocked. But why? It's going to happen. I mean, this living in this world is not meant to be joyous and just, you know, utopia. It's not going to happen. So pain and suffering is going to happen. So what are we doing right now? Every single day to prepare for it because it is going to happen. And that, you know, for a business owner, again, father, husband, brother, it doesn't matter what your role is. You've got to start practicing it. And it starts with the cold shower. (laughs) (laughs) That was a wonderful journey through the cold shower. I didn't know where you're going with that, but it's true, man. It's so true. And, and no, everybody knows this, but no, no growth comes without pain. Not none, like no growth, no suffering, no, no, uh, I mean, no development, no forward motion comes without suffering or pain. And just, uh, I'm hopeful it's really clear based on the, the character of, of of who we are. We're not saying, like, there are actual victims, right? There are absolutely, absolutely yeah. ac- actual victims that we've all seen um, that have real horrendous, tragic, traumatic stories. And that's this is not what we're talking about. No. no. We are talking about something entirely different. Um, and but I just hope it, that's clear. We, But so often we see people who are actual legitimate victims, they are some of the people with the least victim mindset. Right. Amen. And that's they right. are the ones that's they right. are the ones that rise. That's, right. that's that's something that I think we need to be mindful. I think that's well said, Justin, and we in in a way, of course, we are all we have all been a victim of something. That's right. Of course. Yeah. Um, I Bronson, the the one thing that you were talking about there as it relates to just uh, setting the setting the tone for the day, you know, intentionally stepping into something that is uncomfortable. And that really comes back to, I think, a discipline, the discipline of and also understanding the conditions that we exist in currently, culturally, everything that we see and buy and experience points us towards comfort. There's not a whole lot. That's why, you know, the, the, as, as a marathon runner, you know, the fact that you actually have to pay <laughs> to, 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 to go mutilate suffer. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like that tells you how much we don't really like to suffer as a culture. I've got to go pay to suffer. Uh, and, we we don't really live in a culture. We're not marketed by people who say, let's go suffer. A few people say, yeah, that's a good thing. And, of course, uh, there's a lot of people that don't want to bar- participate in that particular product or offering. But everything is accessible to us. You know, think about just even within the power of our own hand how we can have a book delivered tomorrow. Sometimes we can have a book delivered this afternoon. It's just instantaneous whether it's information or a product or whatever the case, or booking a vacation, it is all instantaneous. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah. and isn't the evidence showing very clearly that it doesn't satisfy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The beauty, though, is when you start to get in this habit of always putting yourself through purposeful pain, everything else that is... You're so happy right now. ...that brings joy... <laughs> I mean, maybe a lukewarm shower. <laughs> cold we'll start. We'll start go there. Cold-ish. But everything else that um, is enjoyable gets amplified, right? Because you have that contrast where it's like, again, going back, yeah, right. keep talking on the stupid shower, but you know, you take a cold shower, but when you take that hot shower, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my gosh, that's but, amazing. But I, 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 if you just look at the human body, right? You look at muscle. How do you grow muscle? How do you how do you increase muscle mass? Well, it starts with struggle. You've got to make those muscles struggle. Brain. How do you create habits? How do you create muscle memory? Well, you got to make your brain struggle. There's something called myelin, which is the insulation, right? The more of that insulation, so it's in between the um, uh, all those squiggly things. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, got it. I, I know <laughs> the, uh, the important parts of, <laughs> yeah. just to get my point across. Yeah. <laughs> but the more you struggle, the myelin thickens, and when mm. that insulation is thicker, that becomes muscle memory. We don't have to think about it anymore. Almost like a habit. So if we, even if you just take away all the emotions and anything else, and you just look at the biological makeup of ourselves, we have to struggle if we want to grow and become something better. Well said. Well said. All right, we got shift shift hard hard left here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna experiment with a just a format quickly, and we'll we'll do this each month. Um, we just love to learn and, and understand from each other. So we'll talk about one win, one thing we've learned. And, and just one tip, one, one something that you've picked up, whether it's take a cold shower or take a lukewarm shower, either one. Um, so one win of the last month, what comes to mind? I would say we had a really mm. successful planning session for our next quarter. Mm. So we adopted the EOS entre- so it's entrepreneur operating system. And it's this whole framework that, um, it's pretty popular, yep. but we have these quarterly um, planning sessions that are is led by an incredible, I think you call him just an advisor, and you bring him in, so it's outside of the organization, and it just really helps bring a different perspective on the business, but then also he will act as almost like a facilitator. It's like, you know, any, mar- any marriage, any relationship, whether, whether it's romantic or not, You've got to cultivate it. And that includes with your employees too and leadership and who are you working side by side. I I just had this epiphany the other day where you've got to work on it just like you do with your marriage. Like Mm -hmm. what are you doing for their quote unquote love language, you know, in in a business sense. And are you hashing things out? Are you talking things out? So when you have that, that third person there who Mm -hmm. can kind of facilitate. So now it's not, you know, just me, the, the boss barking at them the whole time. Now it's like an actual conversation. So yeah. that was a win for me. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. The the win that I'll share is it's highly personal, and it was a, an opportunity to to correct a paradigm uh, that my ten year old son had up until this particular conversation. And we were talking about COVID and and masks and all of that, and and ultimately the conversation led to. A, f- a fear that he had, um, of course, him losing both of his grandparents to COVID and all of that. But uh, his the fear came out, and what he thought was that that half of the world has died from COVID, mm. and it was just this mm. it was just this Sweet opportunity boy. and this moment of going, oh my goodness, and not in any way to discount the millions of people who have died globally because of COVID because of COVID, but. Just to be able to correct that paradigm, shift that paradigm, and welcome him into truth and reality. But that was a huge win uh, for me as a dad, and hopefully it was a win for him a little bit because although it doesn't necessarily reduce the trauma that he's experienced personally, um, my hope is that that's something that uh, as he moves forward and, and lives 
forward. Uh, it's, it's a corrected paradigm. And so for me as a dad, I think that that's a win. That's a huge win. I don't know if I can follow that. Thanks for sharing, man. Um, for me, uh, the only thing I, that comes to mind quick is <clears throat> we have um, Q1 of, of this year has been us digging with suffering and pain and resistance at times, um, really building financial maturity into our organization. You can imagine a creative-minded um, seven, Enneagram seven, uh, we, we have tried to, I have subconsciously and maybe sometimes consciously tried to out earn <laughs> yep. uh, my, my bad decisions or my, 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 inif- my, my, I shouldn't be so shameful out earn my weaknesses. Right. And what's been really helpful is we've, we've spent 90 days building some, some deep systems into tracking margin, tracking profitability, tracking payroll, cash flow, <laughs> like just having some, and they're baseline things. Right. But they're, they've been really um, really helpful for us and, and, and what's the result related to the conversation. It's produced more freedom for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know Dorothy's got this. I know our three kind of core department leads are running these pieces and everything's r- 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 running through the process and we're making the right amount of margin. Our team isn't stressed out. And so it's all related. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we got to wrap here in a second. Let's skip the thing learned. Um, is there one tip? Is there one like whatever, just something that comes to mind that might be helpful for folks is there walk in their own journeys this next month. Yeah, I'll share. I just finished a book by Dan Ortland called Deeper, and it's just like, oh, so, so good. And the whole notion has to do with us going deeper in our own lives to examine the the sin that we all have and that we participate in and how that affects our lives. So just going deeper. And he uses this analogy at the very end talking about this, about breathing and about how mm. this, this, vital, critical role in our life that it, it has to occur and how and what that represents in the book has to do with uh, reading scripture and then praying. So that's the context for the book. But I think the whole analogy of breathing is something where without it, we don't thrive. When it's cut short, we struggle. Uh, we can't limit it to just 30 minutes out of the day, we've got to do it all day. And oftentimes it becomes subconscious or unconscious for us. And so I guess my, my tip for myself would be being more mindful of how am I breathing? How am I creating space to breathe better? Uh, literally, how am I breathing? Right. Yeah. Uh, but then also, how do I translate that into the other activities of my life, understanding the power of both uh, breathing in and also exhaling, breathing out. And, and maybe a tip there would just be, how does that translate into your own, into your own context? That whole notion of breathing in, breathing out. Great book, Rick. I love that, and and I'll I'll jump in on the tip because it relates. So the the I, I, I would nerd I've nerded out on breathing really, and I, uh, I think it's Huberman um, was talking about. There's they did a study on four types of case studies with specific breathing techniques. Uh, ones like the Wim Hof, like the super. Uh, he's like Iceman. You yeah. would love this guy. I've seen him okay. on YouTube. <laughs> uh, he's amazing. And then ones like your traditional kind of mindset or meditation, breathe, just deep breath in, deep breath out. Um, one was the box method. It was like inhale, hold, exhale, hold. And then the fourth he called um, rhythmic breathing, I think. And all four were like way better than not. But of the four, the rhythmic cycle um, produced less stress, kind of flushed anxiety quicker. And it's, it's, it's a deep inhale followed by another deep inhale, followed by a long exhale. So it's... Right. Like it's an inhale, inhale, exhale. And like I've caught myself and I guess it's, you know, psychologically, physiologically 
how our body responds anyway. And so it's kind of just this intentional breath. So anyway, that might be helpful for folks. Um, last thing for me would be, um, team wise, we've started, we use Slack for lots of internal communication and we've scheduled a 6am Slack. Some people are East coast or work early or whatever. And so every day the team, everybody on the team has their responsibility. We don't have to motivate them. They have the responsibility to, respond really simple so simple but respond with their top two priorities for the day and then what we ask a question that rotates between like what are you grateful for what are you struggling with what's a project you're working on whatever and just to have the insight to see the whole in our team's 13 it's like 500 right probably wouldn't work for a 500 person organization but to see all 13 threads have the responsibility to be like hey you said you're going to do that today. Did you get it done? <laughs> or for me going, oh, shoot, I put these two things. And I did one. I got to knock out this other second. This has been kind of a helpful. So everyone's helpful doing piece. that at 6 a.m.? No, no. You have the window between 6 and 9.30. Ah, okay. Um, but, like, it's, hey, kind of first thing when you're getting to work, What's what are you telling the team? What are you going on record? Where are you hanging your hat on what you're going to do today? Yep. Is that and before it's or after Wordle? <laughs> do that. Definitely after. Okay. We also have a Wordle thread too, which is amazing. That's <laughs> Definitely funny. after. All right, Bronson, you got to. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my tip is uh, related to a book as well, and it's it's called Soul Keeping. And there was a quote by um, Dallas Willard. He said, "Hurry is a great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must." ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And that one sentence, that quote has stuck with me. I just finished this book and I am a hurry freak. I'm constantly just, what's the next thing? Next to that next thing. Even driving here today, I made it up. That's why I tried to get here early. So you beat me. I hate, (laughs) hate that feeling of being late. And then what do you have to do? Hurry. Well, how about you leave about 15 minutes early so you don't have, you can just coast and listen to a book mm. as you're driving all the way out to Liberty, which is like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my tip. And it's good. Uh, so deep. Yeah. It's just, and it goes back to your, you're just taking five minutes. I mean, that is torture for me too. Mm. I'm physical torture. I'd rather take a cold shower for five Clearly. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> at least I'm like, you know, what's funny is that, <laughs> That breathing, te- yeah, right? You know that bre- breathing technique you talked about, yeah, the Wim Hof, or yeah, yeah. I feel that every time yeah. that I get in oh, that culture, I mean, you you go, <gasps> yeah. You have no choice. You it's, literally have yes. to do that because you feel like you're dying. I've tried it for like one time, and I was like, "This is terrible." This is <laughs> That's why you got to do it. Yeah. That's why you got to do it because you hate it, and <laughs> it was terrible. So I, I do. We do have a little bit more time. I would say for myself, okay, to um, um, cool. talk about that that question you okay, had from good. a listener. I, I didn't know if we all had to wrap. So, um, cool. So we, we did have, uh, somebody took up, took us up on our offer, which is great. And so the offer will, will persist. The one listener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're 54 minutes in. Let's see how many we have left here. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation by the way, big time immensely. Likewise. So question was from last show. We talked a lot about culture and leadership, right? Um, last time. So the question came in, what do you do? when you have a hard time connecting with a member of your team, like what, what would maybe be a, a, a way to tackle that concept or that question? What do you do when you have a hard time connecting with a member of your team? Yeah, for me, it goes to how am I intentionally being benevolent towards that person? And so I think we may have talked 
a little bit last time where I've talked with, with you all offline, which, which the best definition of benevolence that I've ever come across is that benevolence is a coiled spring of compassion ready to spring. Mm. And that whole notion of this, if, if we walk around and we have benevolence, we see it as this is a coiled spring of compassion, then if I'm not resonating with someone and I have this mindset of how can I become more benevolent towards that person, then I'll be more aware of listening, observing, watching, so that I might be able to spring that compassion towards them in a way that is benevolent for them. And that's a way that we can build trust with other people. And I don't do it all the time, and I know I need to do it more, but that would be... That would be the first thing that I would think of is how can I become more benevolent towards that individual? I picture a jack in the box, like, yeah. <laughs> but maybe a don't do that. Jack in a don't, box. don't have, yeah, don't hand them that because that's a little spooky. Yeah. But same uh, concept, yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Bronson, how about you? One word confront. This is, this is a, um, I feel like this is a natural uh, trait or even a, a fear that we are born with maybe it's the fear of confrontation and relationships that are healthy require rich and require that confrontation where we don't tippy toe around these issues if something's bothering you and that really goes back to the culture of the business culture of wherever you are is it built on transparency if it is then why are you not knocking on their door and saying can we have a, a quick chat about what i'm feeling and I think that's important too, is when you express how you're feeling. You can't tell somebody else how they're feeling, but you can definitely share how you're feeling. Say, you know what? I'm just feeling like we're not connecting right now. It could just be me, that's right. but that is how I'm feeling right now. What do you? What's your response to that? Am I just, you know, is this not true? Is this something I'm just feeling? So I would just confront it. I have love that, it. that conversation. I love it. I, I had a similar, I had a different C word in my mind, but I love yours. Um, curiosity was mine. And, and it, I think they're, I think they're related. I think they're, they're cousins or maybe brother, confront brother. with curiosity. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and, and I, you know, when I think about connection, the, the root of the question really is like, Hey, I'm, I'm not connecting to this team member or this human and, and to Bronson, you, you, well, both of you said it wonderfully to, to me, if, Leaders aren't, and I, I've, I've, again, put myself in the camp of not doing this way far more than I've done it well. Um, so I'm not preaching, I'm talking to myself, is approaching it with curiosity. What is going on? Like, I've noticed something. What Can you explain more? Like, just ask it. Like, the heart of connection is to be known, right? And if people don't feel known, valued, seen, understood, they're going to naturally drift or to your point the the relationship will erode if it's not confronted, if it's not, if it's not um, spoken with honesty about. So one, one piece we've used in our world a little bit, we literally stole it from Brene Brown is uh, your, your exact language is, um, Hey, the story I'm telling myself is, <laughs> Hey, I'm telling myself this story. Like, Corey, you seem upset. I, I noticed your energy was, a, I've, I've said this before, like I noticed your energy was a little off in a meeting. Like, is everything okay? Um, and, and man, like sometimes sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes they're upset with you or sometimes their personal life is falling apart or sometimes they're like, no, everything's great. I'm sorry. Like, it, and, but it clears the air. And Bronson, you said it well, like the confrontation 
non-hostile, but the the direct like leaning into um, is I think one 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 way to begin to connect. Um, I, I, I love that because you're taking ownership for your narrative. That's right. You're not blaming them for nope. your narrative. You're just like, this is the narrative in my own mind. Yep. Help, you know, help me understand that. If it's true, then okay. How can I support you in that? If it's not true, then dispel <coughs> it so that I can move on and support you in a different way. Absolutely. I think it's worth adding too. If you, if you do have that uh, team member that you feel that you're not connected with and you do try to talk with them and they're kind of introverted and they're like, Oh, there's nothing wrong. And you just can't get anything out of them. The next step I would take is what are you doing to cultivate that relationship? Relationships are built with being a servant leader. What are you doing to help them? Are you speaking their love language? Cause I know a lot of my team members, they love it. If I help them in some way, right? If I, sit, stand uh, shoulder to shoulder, teaching them, helping them um, overcome some sort Being of... alongside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some obstacle in their project. That to them, now they feel that connection. So I think after you try to confront with verbal communication, the second step is, well, what are you doing to now cultivate that relationship? And it goes back to Jesus, right? Are you washing feet? And I've actually done this with my, my huh. team. I mean, with warm, do, warm do, water yeah. or cold water? They do cold. walk around. Uh, oh my goodness! They do walk around barefoot all the time. Which <laughs> no, is it was warm. It was warm because <laughs> it was supposed to be a pleasant experience. But uh, was it awkward? Yes, very awkward. But was it powerful? Absolutely, mm. it was very powerful, and uh, it really shows like <laughs> shows who on your team is really that person that should be on your team because the mm. ones who are. They're sitting in that seat and they're just feeling it. The ones who aren't didn't want to do Get it. Get this creep away from me, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't want to do it. Yeah. And guess what? Those some of those team members that didn't want to do it, they aren't with us anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. So, anyways, for me, it's just what are you doing to cultivate that relationship in order to increase that connection? I love it, man. I'll, I'll give one um, last piece, and I wrote about this on LinkedIn because I again stole uh, directly from Pat Lencioni. But the, he, he has a, a really simple triangle that talks about the three components that foster miserable jobs, <laughs> which I think is like, it's brilliant. And he, he talks about anonymity, irrelevance, and M measurement, which is actually not a word, but it, it works. Um, so anonymity being like stripping of their voice, irrelevance, you know, not giving them purpose and measurement, not giving them any clarity on the path forward. Um, so I think that's the opposite of connection. So if you if you can diagnose and be like, hey, haven't heard from this person in a long time, haven't given a shout out or props or um, given them, uh, I haven't celebrated their contributions or I haven't given them a clear path for what, what their future is, um, of course they're going to be miserable. <laughs> that's human. Um, so anyway, that's it. All right, we got we to gotta wrap. How do you guys feel? How was this one? It's great. I'm ready for a warm shower. <laughs> I might Me get too, real brave. I might get brave and go lukewarm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, fellas. Thanks. As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.